Good evening. Good evening. So we are finally back on Friday nights to talking about healing. Can I interrupt you for a second? Interrupt me, please. Oh, my I've been word. thinking about this. Oh, my word. I've been thinking about this. We've never explained why we suddenly had this um, pause, shall we say, of um, recording. Yes. We never actually said yeah. what happened. Like we, right. we don't whole, even like, tell a baby thing. Right. There, yeah. There was a baby. So we have welcomed to our family and our congregation, baby Jasher Thane Skeen Smith. Baby Jasher. And you he might is hear with him us during tonight, the recording. And you may hear him. And if you hear him, just, you know, whisper a little prayer for him. He's a good baby. And we're very blessed. We're very thankful. So that's why we had a pause in our Bible study for a little bit. Uh, we had Brother Matt Bearden teach a couple lessons, and you're going to be hearing more from him soon. So I was talking to him earlier today, and he said that he'd be willing to alternate with me on Wednesday nights. Oh, cool. So I mean, you're going to wrangle the kids every other night, every other week? It'll be an opportunity to go downstairs and to do a lesson with them. And that'll give you ladies a break. Yeah, the mamas would be on board with that, so, right? Yeah, I think it'd actually be good. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, uh, I've got to do the recording, so. <laughs> yeah. Scott's like, I can't go down there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we're going to start our study on healing. We did this lesson a while back, but we had some recording issues. So we're going to do it again, and we are going to begin now. So the title of this series and it's going to be a series, it'll be a while before we get through it, is Theocracy and the Nature of Healing. And the subtitle is Eschatology and the New Apostolic Reformation, also known as NAR. So what Do I've they say noticed... Eschatology in, in the UK? Is that what they say? No, I don't know. I'm asking. I don't know. I th I've always heard of eschatology, but eschatology is the study <laughs> of the end times. So we're going to talk about the end times. We're going to talk about the New Apostolic Reformation, uh, in particular, the Word of Faith movement that is very popular nowadays. We'll define that. If you don't know what it is, count yourself fortunate. Um, but we are going to talk about the theology of it, and in particular, the idea of the gift of healing. So a lot of these things are going to tie in not just to Word of Faith, NAR, but it's also going to tie into Pentecostalism in general. So we're going to talk about the sign gifts, healing, tongues, prophecy, the calling of apostles. Are those things current today? What about getting slain in the spirit, buddy? That kind of goes into this too. Yeah, it's not a particular gift <laughs> mentioned in scripture, uh, not mentioned in scripture at all for that matter. But we're going to talk about how all of this is understood in light of prophecy. That's what eschatology is, a study of end times of prophecy and the kingdom. And so another word that we're going to discuss a good bit is theocracy. And that's what we're going to start off with. So you may be wondering, what is a theocracy? So a theocracy is a system of government in which God rules over his human subjects. Now, technically speaking, you might think, well, okay, well, theocracy would be God's rule over the universe because God is king of kings, lord of lords, and he reigns over the universe. But we're talking about a government on earth the government should rest upon his shoulders yes yeah just like in isaiah 9 so the theocracy was established by god in israel so he did rule over that nation in a very direct way he did not rule over gentile nations in the same way so there wasn't a tabernacle in those nations there was no 
Shekinah presence of God's glory manifested in those nations. He did not set up a priesthood in those nations. He did not give the law to those nations. He did not set up a kingship in those nations through the line of David. So these are unique features of Israel, and that's a theocracy. Now, that theocracy isn't present today. That theocracy. That theocracy. Like, for instance, though, Iran, that's a theocracy. Yeah, yeah, and so... Absolutely. So yeah, there are, there are theocracies that are man-made when I'm defining theocracy in the truest sense, it's a government set up by God where God directly governs. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. because it, it ties into the end times. The Bible promises that God will set up a theocracy on earth. So God's kingdom will be on this earth and he is going to reign uh, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of David after the flesh. Mm-hmm. So he's son of God and son of man, the God man. And so he is going to reign in Jerusalem. But that differs from God's program now. And this is really important because as we talk about the kingdom to come, a lot of people think the kingdom is now. Mm. And we've been talking about this a little bit already on Sundays in our study of the end times. This is a more narrowed focus, though. So this series, you're going to notice a lot of overlap with what we're talking about on Sunday. Because there's a lot of common ground. But the main thing we're talking about now in this series is how the end times in the kingdom relate to sign, gifts, and healing. So on Sunday, we're not really going to talk about sign, gifts, Mm. and healing. We're talking more just about the general scope of the end times. And then we'll move into Revelation after we get done with that. But so let's talk about how theocracy is different than now. So somebody take their Bible and turn to Romans 13, 1 through 4, and I'll get... Genesis 9, 5 through 6. Okay, so somebody read Romans 13, 1 through 4. I'm in the ESV. All right, it's fine. It's all good. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Good. Thank you, Christy. So we talked about that a long time ago. Did a whole lesson on it, and I don't think we were recording at that time. So maybe Mm -hmm. one day we'll do another lesson on Romans 13, Mm -hmm. because the idea of civil disobedience... Right. Um, that, that subject is really touchy among Christians and a proper interpretation of Romans 13, I think is key. Uh, but we're not talking about that subject today. Uh, but what that indicates in Romans 13 is that right now in the church age, the church is not a government, Correct. the church is to submit to the government. Now how that relationship exactly and how that plays out again, there are different interpretations among believers. We're not getting into that right now. Let's just suffice it to say that Christians are not a theocracy or not a government. Now, if they were, if the church was a theocracy, then what Paul would say is take up your swords, conquer the Roman Empire, and institute law like in the Old Testament days, and kill the idolaters Mm. like Elijah commanded the prophets of Baal to be slain. So that's, that's a theocracy, and that's not what the church is. Now, in Genesis 9, I think this does tie in uh, to Romans 13. Um, in Genesis nine, uh, verses five through six, God, when he's talking to Noah and his family, after they get off the ark, he says, surely 
your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for the image of God made he man. Now, this is different than before the flood. Before the flood, we have murder mentioned uh, in, in Genesis where it talks about Cain killing Abel. But in that case, Cain is marked. He wanders as a mm. vagabond. Um, his punishment is to wander away from the presence of God, but he's not put to death. So there's no government set up. So the right. idea was that you have a family unit where people are taught the word of God from their parents. They pass that on and their conscience dictates their actions. And ideally, if you're following your God-given conscience and you're, you're taking this raising and applying it to your life, then you won't have violence and there will be a need for government. Mm. But what God's illustrating during this time period, I think, this dispensation of conscience is that mankind is consistently sinful. We consistently reject the voice of conscience. Mm. And that's why government's necessary. And nobody would argue with that. Now, there are some people today who would, but Noah's family, nobody's going to be arguing that point. If they look back before the flood, mm. they remember how violent it was. Right. They would recognize we need something, okay? Because mankind's sinful it's going to happen again, okay? As we start to multiply and fill the earth, we're going to need more than just our, our conscience to dictate our actions. So that's why God gives them government. In this case, uh, it doesn't tell us a whole lot of details. I mean, it just says that uh, if someone kills another person, this is murder. If someone commits the act of murder, then they're to be put to death by people. So that implies a structure, but it doesn't right. give us any details. So a lot of people would say this really could be used to describe any government. However, I would say that he's giving this to mankind. So he doesn't give this command to Noah, but to Noah and his sons. Mm. So what this would indicate is he's not setting up Noah as a patriarchal dictator. Right. Mm -hmm. So Noah, you have the power of the sword. So that would, I think, imply that the government that God envisioned was not one that was vested in the hands of one individual, mm -hmm. but which was vested in the hands of more the than community. one. So yeah, the community. So, you know, government by the people, for the people, so mm. to speak. So anyways, that is the way that we are to govern ourselves as a human race currently until the kingdom comes and that government's necessary. And the church, we are to submit to the government. Ideally, if the government follows these laws laid down in Genesis 9, which apply to all the nations, by the way, right? then you could envision a Christian nation. And that's sort of how America was meant to be. You know, America's not a theocracy. Uh, the Puritans did sort of envision a theocracy. Yeah, that's, what they uh, right. that's what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, or theonomy is another word to describe it. You know, the law of God applied uh, by the government. But they were so the hardcore legalistic. Though. Yes. And so the, the founding fathers, mm. they weren't trying that. So there's a difference. So while the founding fathers for the vast, you know, the vast majority, they were Christian. The Puritans were Christian. They interpreted government very differently. So while the Puritans thought, okay, witches need to be executed, the founding fathers would right. not have been in favor of that. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's a difference in how you know, we draw the line. How far are we going to go here? So while the founding fathers would say, we don't have any problem with you know, printing Bibles for people to have mm -hmm. and, and giving land to Christian missionaries to evangelize Native Americans. And, and they didn't see any violation of the Constitution in that. Mm -hmm. They, at the same time, are not going to enforce church attendance. They're not going to tax, you know, congregations if they don't line up with their particular doctrinal statement, you know. Mm. And so they, 
I think they did a good job of, of finding a balance there. And that's really hard to do. Right. Because you have a lot of people, a lot of Christians who honestly would say, you know, where do you draw the line exactly? You know, if you go too far over here, then you're a theocracy. Right. And we're not meant to be that. We already mm-hmm. read that in Romans 13. Um, but if you go too far over here, then you don't have any Christian influence in the government. Like we are and now. If you, and it, like right now. Right. So if, and that was never intended by the founding fathers. Right. So you could say, well, you know, they didn't clarify exactly the way it was supposed to be. Well, I would say, you know, in Genesis 9, it doesn't clarify exactly what it's supposed to be. All we know is that government was meant to be a, a godly government. What God are we talking about? The God of the Bible. Okay. So this implies that when you're setting up a government, you're doing it in the name of the God of creation, the God of Noah. Okay. The God of his family. So this would imply the Christian God is the reason why we have government at all. But really right here in Genesis nine, it doesn't talk about idols. It doesn't talk about, um, you know, enforcing doctrine. It, It has to do with murder. Okay. Um, justice in society. So anyways, we don't want to get too far into that, but all I'm trying to point out is the government that we as Christians should advocate for is not a theocracy, but at the same time, we're not saying that we should remove God completely from the government. Um, that's not what we're supposed to do either. All right, so that, that understanding of separation of church and state, that's not something that we well, should endorse. It goes back to the John Adams quote that he said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Yes. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Absolutely. And so I, I would agree with that 100%. And I think that that does a good job of representing what Genesis 9 is meant to envision. It's, it's interesting that the, 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 this says James Madison wrote, sufficient virtue among men for self-government is required. And otherwise, nothing less than the change of, is it, is it despotism? I don't remember how to say that word from yeah. Yeah. can restrain them from destroying and devouring one another. Yeah. Which is exactly what we're seeing in our society. Today, Absolutely. Which is interesting. And so they understood that the Judeo-Christian worldview was absolutely necessary to have any government that was worth anything, um, that was just and um, had value. So anyways, uh, now let's move on to theocracy. So we know we're not to be a theocracy. The church isn't. Uh, we're not to set up a government in the name of Christianity to enforce Christian doctrine. Um, we can say, all right, we're Christians and we're going to uh, do our best to represent the people in a Christian way. We're going to do our best to, to come up with laws that give glory to God. Uh, we're not going to allow things like abortion to take place. You know, we're going to stand on, uh, you know, God's definition of marriage. I think all of these things are certainly included in Genesis chapter nine. But again, there is a line that's drawn there. Uh, you know, if someone says, I don't believe in Jesus and I believe in some other God, then they should have the freedom to worship that God. Uh, we should not, you know, chop off their head for being an idolater. Right. Okay, that would be theocracy. And that's not what Genesis 9 is teaching. And that's not what uh, Christians should be advocating. For. Even if it's Satan that they're worshiping. Uh, uh, yeah. And so it's a, it's a, this, see, this is, again, this is yeah, know, a very right? interesting topic, right? Because yeah. you're wondering where do we draw is that line boundary? Yeah. as long as they are not harming anybody? Right. right. That's the boundary. Then yes, they have the freedom to do sure. that. And, and we, I think that we should as a people strive to maintain a Christian worldview as the majority, sure. as, as much as possible, pass on that legacy to our kids. So that way our representatives are Christian. Uh, right. and, and so we should, we should definitely try to do that. And I think that's what the founding fathers were scared of. They were scared right. of, 
okay, what happens if we have this self-rule, but no Christianity? Which, right. Yeah. That's what they were scared of. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's risky, ain't it? It's yes. really risky because you're tempted to say, no, let's force this. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Let's then. force it. Mm. But we don't want to do that. So Jesus didn't. So exactly. The whole grace is risky too. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's an that's interesting parallel. So in second Samuel, a, we won't read all of this because um, it's not necessary to see the details, but it does picture David conquering other nations, taking their spoil and he brings them to the temple. Now, listen, that is very different than what Christians do today. All right. So Christians today. Okay. Yes. Today. Now we're not talking middle ages crusades. All right. We're talking today how we're supposed to do it. All right. We have a Noahic government since the constitution was written. So that's the way we're supposed to do things. Christians are not going to take their swords or today their, their ARs. Okay. Mm. And go out and fight the heathen. Okay. Take their possessions and bring them back and, and dedicate them to God, you right. know? Okay, so there's nothing wrong with David doing this, Correct. okay? Why? Because God set up the theocracy, yeah. right. not man. God did it. God gave him the law. God told him what to do. So David was absolutely in the right to do this. And one day, there will be a theocracy on earth, and Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to conquer the heathen that's right. at the Battle of Armageddon. Right. But that's his business, right. okay? The church, we're in a waiting period. Okay, so we're humbly submitting mm-hmm. to a government which we should influence the best we can, yes. okay, according to you know our ability to vote and influence society. Right. And we want to see things change. Absolutely. Uh, I think Paul, if he if you were talking to Paul, like Paul, you know, would it be great if Christians could influence the Roman Empire and we could get rid of slavery and we could we could get rid of some of these things? I think Paul would be like, yes, if you're if you're changing mm-hmm. society and you're not forcing it. Right. But but the slow melting influence of the gospel mm-hmm. leads people to apply their faith and make these changes. Wonderful. I think yeah. Paul would be like, amen, that's what we need to see. Yeah, yeah. But that's different than theocracy. A theocracy saying we're going to do things in a more direct way. Right. <laughs> um, you know, with force. Convert or die. Yes. And so. I'm thinking of Philemon, right? The, yes. Yes. You know, absolutely. Go back and try him as a to, brother. Yeah. Come Exactly right. That, that, just the whole. And the I, whole letter and that's a, see, speaks to He it. doesn't go and he doesn't try to change society. Right. He's trying to change people. Right. Okay. And when the people get changed, yeah. okay, the eventually changes. the thought is, you know what? Is it right for me as a Christian to own somebody? Mm. You know, I don't mm. know if that lines up with my faith. And maybe we shouldn't do that. Right. Okay. And, and this is a little controversial. Um, but, you know, where, you know, what do you do as a Christian? when it comes to this topic mm-hmm. of slavery, this was the big divide in the 1800s. Cause you had sure. some people who were like, no, we need to force this. Okay. Mm. So let's, let's force, you know, slavery to, you know, cease to exist, uh, and, you know, use violence if necessary. And then you had other people who were like, no, no, no. Let the slow melting influence of Christianity do this. I, um, I, I don't think Christianity would have worked regardless because they would have just kept doing it because not every but he would have been Christians and there was too much money being made this awful, terrible thing that happened in that period of time around the world. But the Quakers were right in there doing their best to sure. I'm not saying they weren't, but subvert the program. Right. But you, you, you know, they, they had to enact the fact that it was against the law to own anybody. Yeah. You in the Uh, South. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I know I'm not disagreeing. No, with I know you. you're no, not. I'm just saying you're not. I'm saying like that. This is one of these issues that's difficult. Yeah. Because you read Philemon and, and Paul's, he doesn't say 
You should I, not. Yeah. Dude, set your set your slave free because that's wrong. He he doesn't say that. It, well, so it's a different it, time what about, too, what about right? dude, it is a different time? Yes, obviously. Dude in um, in England who was the slave ship captain. Yeah. Newton. And he, yes, and yes. he shared his own personal testimony of this is what is actually going on. It's behind the scenes that you don't understand. And right. that was enough to change the hearts of the people. Yeah, yeah, it. absolutely. Um, and, and, and like, that would be a good example, I think, of the influence of Christianity. Because yeah, you have absolutely. Wilberforce. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and he, it was from a Christian perspective, like, yes. this is sinful. Mm -hmm. And he was able to persuade many. Yes. Um, and so that, I think, is what, what Christians should be, you know, doing absolutely. right now. Uh, yes. When it comes to every issue that we can think of where the Bible's clear about it, you know. Yes. So anyways, that's different than, again, theocracy. So you see the divide here? Yeah. yeah. Um, we have to understand that when we read the Bible, we have to rightly divide it. And a lot of people don't do that. And there are some people today who I think they might be reading the Old Testament and get a little overzealous and say, why aren't we doing these mm -hmm. things? You know. Mm -hmm. And so you do have some people who they may not come right out and say it, but really this is what they envision. They want a Puritan society. They want a reconstructed society, the Christian reconstructionists, mm. and they're, they're a big part of the reform community. Not everybody in the reform community holds this, by the way, but uh, it's, it's rooted in the reform community. And the idea is, if we have control of the government, then we can institute laws that do enforce certain things. Um, mm. Enforce the laws of the Old Testament. And yeah. so if you, mm. if, you, if you kind of let this, yeah. you know, reach its natural conclusion, that would be okay, the execution of homosexuals, That's okay? Right. So yeah. just to use one example. Yes. So there are some people who are like, well, why don't we do that? Yeah, I'm serious. Like, there yeah, are some no, Christians who are like, it. we so want horrible. to do this. And then you have other people who are like, they don't really know exactly how to respond to that. And it's because they don't, I think, understand this issue that the church, okay, we influence society. Okay, we can't influence the government. Mm -hmm. But we are never at any hearts. point to try to create a new Israel. Right. Okay. That's not our job. Right. Uh, they think it is. They think it is though. Yeah. So again, this is rightly dividing the word of God. If you sure. were to read Romans 13 and then you read second Samuel eight, mm -hmm. where David's conquering the nations, right. it's pretty different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. R huge contrast. So it shows that the law, Israel, that's different than the church age with Christians. Right. And, you know, so we, we should influence the government, but we're not seeking, I, I never want to create a Christian government in the Puritan sense. Right. Okay, well, I, got, I would never be in favor of, okay, let's put this person on trial. Have, has this person conducted a seance? Okay, so they've been convicted of witchcraft, they should be put to death. Yeah. That's Old Testament law. Now, was God wrong in doing that? No. Okay, God is righteous in all that he does. He gave that law to Israel. They should have applied that faithfully. They right. often didn't. Okay. Yes. In the story of Saul and the witch of Endor, the right? Thing. Yes. But in the New Testament, that's not what he's telling us that's to do. Right. So there's a difference. Sorry, um, Christy, I didn't mean to interrupt I lost you. it. What, I was, I, what I, was I saying? I, I, I was thinking of, because um, we're talking about. Oh, I was thinking about with all of the different denominational differences, who's going to run the show and what's going to happen when we defer on this is acceptable, this isn't acceptable. This is what we believe. This isn't what we believe. And then you've got a battle on your hand among there, the church. That's right. And that's already happened in the past. Yeah. But I, I, I was thinking about uh, what's this called? The New Apostolic Reformation? Yes. yes. Yeah. Isn't the person, the woman who was... Holly Young. Trump's... Holly Young. She, yes, exactly. 
I think that's her name. Is was is she? Hold that, on, I'll that's where She's from, I think. So, I mean, Donald Trump isn't a great guy. Oh wait, that's the wig lady. Hold on a second. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who Donald Trump? No, has I a mean wig lady? May, probably he might. Um, anyways, <laughs> he's not a great guy, but he did a lot of good things. It's Paula and, something. And, Hold on a yeah, second. Yeah, but anyways, I think that she he well. It makes you wonder what her, that person who Christy thinks Paula is, White. Paula White. Sorry. Not Paula Young. She, she makes wigs. She she's trying to do the kingdom today. She's trying to do this. Yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You see where and, I'm going with this? Yeah. She's also and so a pastor. There's, that's my point. Right. There's two big communities among evangelicals today that want to do this, but right. they, they're wanting it differently, okay? Yeah. Uh, let me explain. So you have the Reconstructionists. The Reconstructionists are reformers, okay? Mm -hmm. They're very conservative. They're not Pentecostal at sure. all. So they, they're cessationist. So in their mind, it's political. Let's change politics. Yeah. Let's change the government. And then we can start making laws which reflect the Old Testament. Okay, that's them. Yeah, all I right? get you. Yep. And then you have the other people. They're very Pentecostal. Yeah. Okay. And I think that they would want to envision... Um, a Christian nation, but I, I don't know if they would go as far as the Reconstructionist. Mm. Uh, I don't know that the New Apostolic Reformation would want to apply the law in all the same ways that these other people do. Uh, that's something that may vary from person to person. They're but building they, the kingdom now. That's they, different. They, they do want to transform society. Now, do they want to implement the Mosaic Law? I don't know if they all would, right? But they do want to transform society. And, and so that's the seven mountains of the, the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, that I go, I'll go ahead and tell you what they are since we're talking about them. But uh, they're business, government, family, religion, media, education, and entertainment. And they call these the seven mountains. They want to conquer these these categories. Don't they understand that whole negative connotation, city on the seven hills? Like you know what? And that's interesting. Uh, you're not the first person to make that connection. And and what that means is, according to Revelation, we're not going to conquer those seven hills. Jesus is going to conquer. By the time Amen. he comes back. They're already firmly in the hole. Now, That's of course, right. those seven hills are not a reference to these things. Right. Okay? So this this is misinterpretation. They've borrowed right? that. Uh, but yeah, if, if that's what we're talking about, just for the sake of argument, by the time Jesus comes back, that's all firmly in the hold mm. of a sinful mankind led yes. by the Antichrist. Yeah. So that's, but that's eschatology, right? Such, and so you see that- Debbie Downer, buddy. <laughs> but this end time stuff, you see what it does. End times are important. Right, your your theology about the end is going to affect the way you look at the present. Yeah, and so if you if you do believe that only Jesus will set up His kingdom, and it's not our job to do it, because by definition we can't. Correct. Then you're not going to try to reconstruct society. Your hope's not going to be in that. You just don't have enough faith, buddy. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> buddy, buddy, <laughs> that's what they buddy. might say. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this. Theocracy in Israel was a preview of the future kingdom under Christ, the son of David. So the Davidic covenant's really a big part of this. Second Samuel 7 talks about it. Acts 13 is a New Testament reference to the same. This is not a spiritual kingdom, by the way. Right. The Davidic kingdom is a literal throne in literal Jerusalem, in literal Israel. Right. And he's going to reign on that throne for 1,000 years. Correct. Now, is, that, is that when David, the son of David? Is that when the the, the prince, the, prince um, the, the the descendant who, of David? Yes, is that, some will say that is actually. Some people say that it is David resurrected. Some people resurrected, think that, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what we're talking. In Ezekiel, right. okay, so in Ezekiel, right. 
Um, there's a reference to David the Prince. Some people apply it to Messiah. Uh, but if you look in the temple passages, so, you know, Ezekiel 40 through 48, those yeah, passages, are, you're talking about. when it's describing the prince, um, he offers a sin offering for himself. Correct. And he has children. Right. So he's married. He's having kids. And so he's in a natural body. This is not this Jesus. This is not Jesus. And he comes before the Lord. Absolutely. He sits in the presence of the Lord, right. but he's not the Lord, right? right? So that's not Jesus. However, I do think that he is a literal descendant of David too. Absolutely. Um, and I think that because of that, he's going to be given uh, this delegated authority. So who is it? You know, I've heard some people suggest, well, it could be someone like Netanyahu who sure. maybe they are a descendant of David, but they don't know it. Okay. Right. This is going to be revealed, I'm sure. In they the got to get on Ancestry.com. Well, right. let's think. Well, let's think about the the tribes of Israel. Time. Like, there's going to be this number of witnesses for every tribe. Sure. Total of 144,000. Right. And so, these people probably today don't know. They don't know. They exactly don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, now some of the people are pretty confident that I'm of this tribe. I'm of Levi. I'm of Judah or Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say that we you're probably lost. not going to be able to find enough people to say, like. There's thousands of Dan and there's thousands of Manasseh. And there's thousands of, you know what I mean? Yes. So I think that God's going to reveal that in some way with all the genetic technology mm. we're developing and, and well, discoveries being I mean, made. I'm sure that we don't, need, it. We don't need that. God will just say it's you, you, you. Yeah. And of course, you. of course. But I, I couldn't help but wonder if, you know, the, the tribes that are quote unquote lost, lost. I, I, there's already talk about it right now that they've got uh, scholars in Israel that are investigating the, uh, the, the Pashtu, mm. the Pashtun people, yeah, the people and in, in Afghanistan. Iran, and, Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, they're Afghanistan. And they're distinct from their Muslim neighbors. Right. They are Muslim. Yes. Okay. But they are different. They have practices yes. that are clearly very Jewish. Jewish. Yep. And if you look at the tribes of the Pashtun, they, they are very similar. Absolutely. Yeah. To tribes of, you know, of the Northern Kingdom yep. that were carried away. And so there are a number of Jewish uh, scholars that think that they are representative. Of those lost ten, didn't and they have the, a tribe come back from like Asia, China, or somewhere? Yeah. They had one come from Ethiopia. Korea? Was it? But, I know. Yeah, but, you, but I think you're right. It was and something I, from from like China or yeah. And it makes you wonder, though. I mean, it very well could be going back sort of to our conversation earlier. Um, we're talking about China having the uh, the gospel there in 80 AD. You said, but I was thinking prior to that, where the Chinese get their language, the the writing of their languages. Um, and I think, certain yeah. words are actually are very tied to. I think that it probably Jewish. predates even. Yeah, I personally probably, think it predates even yeah. the Jews. I think it's probably post Babel information yeah. they have. However, I do agree with you. They have some uh, ceremonies. Yes, uh, I forget the name of it. It'll come to me later. But there is this annual sacrifice that they used to do, and uh, what is it called? No. Uh, but it, it's an annual sacrifice and it's very similar to Yom Kippur. Very. Right. So it seems that it's not, if that's, if that's what it looks like, if it's, you know, carryover from the day of atonement, that would sure. imply some Jewish connection. So whether a Jew went there and, and like, kind of like a Jonah yeah. story, exactly. Uh, we don't know. But like we were talking about earlier, I think the world's a lot smaller than people than think. we realize. And so Back then, especially. Yeah. Yes. And so there's evidence. There was a lot of, uh, cultural exchange back then. Yeah. So there but, could be there could be more revelation soon about people who, like you said, maybe there's some Jews in China 
This is and, this and is... they come to light. The ones in Afghanistan, yeah. whatever. You know? I'm thinking before you say that, eternity in their hearts. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Read that book if you. I have read it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a good I'm, book, I'm yeah. saying too. There's a there's a tribe in China called the Chang, and their story is that they came from the West, and it took them three years and three months. I think it just said. Um, they have um, customs, rituals, modes of thoughts, domestic and religious practices of the Israelites who were the contemporaries of Amos, Hosea, and Elijah. Huh. Um, they're monotheistic. They have lost their ancient scripts. And today they speak Chinese. Huh. They see themselves as immigrants from the West who reach this area after a journey of three years and three months. The Chinese treated them as barbarians, while Chang people related to the Chinese as idol worshippers. That's all. That's really interesting. That's mm-hmm. awesome stuff. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about, that um, you know, this future kingdom it's it's going to involve literal Israel, not just the southern, but also the northern yeah. kingdom. And whether it's through genetic discovery or, you know, these people who, who have been marginalized, like those Chang right. people, those coming to light and then Israel recognizing them. Oh, OK, you are of us. Right. And so like, they said their forefather had 12 sons. This is but see, this is part of prophecy that it mm-hmm. talks about God not just bringing back Judah. It yes. mentions in Isaiah and Ezekiel and other Old Testament prophets, but in those two, it mentions him bringing back the tribes of the north as well. Yeah. And so God, God's clearly not done. And those people haven't all regathered. Right. So when we think of Israel today, the regathering has begun in earnest. Mm. We can see that we're in the process. Um, I think that's you know the clock ticking. We're in the end times, I believe. Yeah. I think we were since Israel went back to their land and the the nation was established. But right now, mainly the people that are there would probably be genetically related to the tribe of Judah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that are going to come to the land that would not be Jews, strictly speaking. Yes. They would be Mm -hmm. Israelites. And so that's got to have to happen for the end times to take place. Now, will that happen all before the rapture? Will, you know, there be some time after the rapture Mm. where maybe, some people come back to the land. Uh, we know that by the beginning of the tribulation, those two witnesses are preaching. Yes. And that's when the 144,000 are sealed of mm-hmm. all the tribes. Right. So that means those people are going to either be there, you know, revealed beforehand or revealed for, at least at the very beginning of the mm. tribulation. So we don't have to know what tribe they're from. They don't need to know what tribe they're from. God just needs that number. That's right. Yes, yeah, but I'm saying it seems pretty clear that when he seals them, they know which tribe they're of at the time. Yes. Yeah, Okay. so that's what I'm saying. So I don't know whether it'll be revealed then, like you said, like God knows, and he says, okay, you're of this tribe or that tribe, um, because it mentions that Dan is going to be specifically excluded. Mm, um, that Dan. That Dan. I have a brother, Dan. Yeah, that says it all right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and so we could talk a whole lot about that. I think personally, Dan's going to be the tribe that the Antichrist comes from. But um, I'm just so glad you're on board with the Antichrist. Is going to be Jewish, <laughs> a converted yeah. buddy. Yeah. Well, I I think that there it's reasonable that he will be. I don't think that he will in any way be uh, a religious a religious Jew. No, yeah. I th- but I think that he will be someone who has that common ground to appeal to, to try Jewish to say people. that he's Messiah. He yeah. has to have that back. And I think yes. that concept of the Messiah is going to be very new age, very corrupted. Um, but anyways, let's move on from that. And we're going to look at one more thing and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So, um, dominion and the kingdom, 
Uh, these are linked. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we have that famous passage where God creates male and female in his image, and he gives them dominion. That dominion was not fully realized. Right. And it says that in Hebrews 2, that right now we don't see Christ or man, and there's a difference of interpretation among commentators. Some say it's talking about Christ in Hebrews 2, 5 through 8, Something it's talking Subduing about. Something it's talking about. Son of man is in mankind. However, it really doesn't make too much of a difference because Hebrews is all about us being united to Christ, and so humanity. We realize our destiny as bearers of God's image through Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we've fallen. Mankind has. We were always meant to be made after the image of the Son of God, and He created us physically. The fall took place. He comes and he takes on flesh and blood so that way he can fulfill his purpose in us. And so Hebrews chapter 2 says that right now we don't see everything under Jesus and by extension under the redeemed. But one day that will take place. So right now we don't have that dominion. There are some people that talk about the dominion mandate. We need to fulfill the dominion mandate. Mm. Uh, No, we don't need to fulfill the dominion mandate. Um, I, I would say that because we are made in God's image, we do have a responsibility to take care of God's creation. So if that's what you mean by dominion mandate, yeah, I'm on board with you there. But the idea that we will actually be able to take dominion to actually establish some kingdom? Mm. No. No, no. And it won't happen until Jesus does it. Uh, so Jesus is the one who's going to accomplish that. Um, there's, a, there's a not yet aspect of the kingdom here. I agree that uh, in a sense, the kingdom has come as far as we could we could say uh, there are people who live on earth that constitute the kingdom membership. So if that's what you mean, if you're thinking of the kingdom in terms of people, then sure, the kingdom's already come. Like the kingdom's in this room right now. I mean, we're, we're right. on the roll. But if you're talking about the kingdom as in God Government. reigning manifestly on earth and the earth being changed and society being brought under you know his direct control, no, that has not happened. Right. And it won't happen through us either. It's something that he does. But uh, like I said, the New Apostolic Reformation, they envision things differently. Uh, well, now, like you said, it just shouldn't be our hope. Our hope should be whenever Jesus comes back and takes us to be with him, not this temporal earth. This I, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think this may sound a little, I don't want it to come across as harsh, but I've been thinking about this a lot, and I feel like it's a, it's a little bit, a tad bit carnal to think that we can change the world. Um, I think that a lot of people want to do that because this world is what we know, right? This is all that we know. And so we're sojourners here. This isn't our home. Yeah. see that. I don't think a lot of people think that way, Christine. I think we want to change. We we see the world going downhill so quickly. That was the elephant exit. Previous generations, you know, previous generations, they, They saw a country that was so much better than it is today. Yeah. Okay, never perfect, but better. <laughs> and, and, you know, people were more comfortable with that. And yeah. now we're going downhill. And so what do we want to do? Well, we want to get fired up about the kingdom. And we can create the kingdom. And we can change society now. Yeah. Quit thinking that you have to wait on Jesus. Well, waiting on Jesus means humbly believing in a promise. Amen. And saying we're out of control God's in control. Yeah, you're the only one. He's the only one that can fix this. We can't. We can't do it. No we matter can't. how much faith we. Not even know how November eighth goes. 
Let's we don't have control. We don't. We can't turn the ship around. No, the ship's sailing. Now, and I think that everything we do, like when we go to the polls and we vote, God yeah. sees that. And when we are fighting for the, the rights of the unborn, the Lord is pleased. Amen. And he sees that. And Christians who are voting opposite to that, mm. which to me is unimaginable, God yeah. sees that too. Yes. So that does matter. Now, will it actually change our society? Well, mm. I, I, could, I could hope for that. But I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't see society being reformed and going back to the way it was. No. Okay? Or, or getting better than it was. No, it's I just, lawless. I don't, it's, it's I don't just believe like it will happen. The rails. It's the rails. There's a reason. But that's, that's Antichrist is coming, and we're seeing his, he, he has more his and influence. more influence over, like, you know, world economic form and things like that, which is pure evil openly talking like like the nazis were talking saying things about the like the nazis didn't what were they, they what were they didn't finish time. we can we can do now can do basically and it's like and they're openly saying this stuff and like wow yeah. that's really that's really really scary and people don't realize how far they want to go or they do realize that and they think that's the right way. That's the thing we need to do yeah. to get rid of all these haters, Christians, yep. Jews. Well, and you know, and also all people that are that are sick that we're like euthanizing. Yeah. And we we've lost that human it's value comes from God. It's if, that... if you can't produce, then you have no value. Yeah. I know. It 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 is Praise the Lord. He's coming back. It, absolutely. And see, that's that's the hope that I have. Me too. And, and I don't have any hope that I, or even, you know, Christians, even if we could change America, we would only be putting off the inevitable. Right. Right. And the inevitable is that we're going back to Babel. Mm -hmm. And so and we'd but, be putting off Jesus coming back. Yeah, and we don't, we don't want to do that. I yeah, know. So it's, but the idea is like, they'll say Jesus has already come. They'll, yeah. they'll think that the second coming, they can spiritualize a preterist to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the kingdom is now don't think about the kingdom in a future tense. It's already now. We just have to manifest it. We have to reveal it. Mm. We have to actualize it. But I think that a lot of people are buying into this because I want to give them credit. Okay. I, I don't want to be unjust towards them. It's like any human being, when something's slipping through your fingers, you get panicky. Yeah. You get desperate. And so I think they're latching onto this idea because they're scared. Yeah. They see our country going down the tubes and they think if we hold to this idea that we can turn things around and establish the kingdom that gives them comfort and hope. But if you say, this is the hard truth, America may not come back. Yeah. Well, it may not come back from this or you go all the way and say, what we're saying right now, it's not going to come back. No. And not. Jesus is coming back. It's kind of just like the fundies really <clears throat> hardcore trying to go back to the 1940s. It, it's all about, it goes back in to music, the control and dress issue. and worship. Yeah. It goes back to the control issue. Like you mentioned before, we want control because it's something we can do, something we can help. <laughs> um, anyway, it's something we can do for God or whatever, but it just puts it puts it back in our court instead of saying, well, I can't really help this. I, I've only got this little bit that I can do. Yep. And, and God's in control. control. Yeah, so it's just you want control. You want to be able to. Isn't it ironic? It's a good point. Baby. We have isn't, no control. isn't it ironic that this movement, the Word of Faith movement, the Kingdom Now movement, says that we don't have enough faith, mm. but really their desperate, their desperate desire to bring the Kingdom Now, the in opposition to the promises of the Bible, yeah. is them grasping 
okay, to have faith more in themselves and what they can do and what they can control yeah. rather than can let God take care of it. I mean, I think that we need to just sit, sit back, take a deep breath and say, look, let us be faithful with what we have mm-hmm. and let us not fear because our blessed hope is that Jesus is coming soon. I don't believe that society will remain in its Babel state for thousands of years. I don't think so. No. I think that Not the way the Bible depicts the end times, there is going to be a rapid progression towards Jesus coming back. The birth pains of the Messiah. You know, I think that we're we're in those now. We're we're yes. seeing it now. Absolutely. And so, while people will get nervous about things getting bad for a Christian who has this eye of faith the bad actually becomes a good in the sense that it's a reminder that he's coming soon. Well, right. The, the persecution, the, to, to, to be persecuted for Jesus is top, top of the list, right? We're expected to be persecuted. But here in the West, you know, we, we, we don't even compare to somebody that, you know, has lived in communist Russia, USSR, or China, um, and, and being that much that much persecution just for believing in Jesus and, and they boldly boldly proclaim his name we we don't even come close to that they like, don't they're even just ask. like i'm going to go to jail i don't care sure Send they ask for boldness not for release from the persecution and so we need we yeah, need to yeah. tap into that kind of faith yeah rather than having this faith that like we can we can save america yeah. You know, and, and listen, I love America. I Amen. love my country. I'm I'm proud of what America used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But my hope is in the eternal kingdom. Amen. So it always had its own works. Always had works. Oh yeah. Because it it's did. still humans and we're still sinful. Absolutely. Yeah. The perfect picture of, of us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, one last thing and then we'll wrap it up because we are out of time and we've talked a about a lot of stuff tonight. But this is just a little aside, I think, that whenever we're talking about the kingdom, we need to bear in mind there are two phases. So when I say I'm looking forward to the kingdom, I'm not just looking forward to the millennium. I'm looking forward to the eternal state. So Jesus, when he comes back, he reigns for a thousand years. He sets up his throne in Jerusalem. And uh, the Gentiles, you know, they become less prominent. Israel becomes more prominent. There's a huge shift because right now Gentiles are more prominent, prominent, you know. Uh, but the time of the Gentiles will end. It'll be the time of God's restored Jewish people. But that only lasts for a thousand years. And then after right. that, we have the final judgment. And in Revelation 21, it speaks of the peoples of God. All throughout the Old Testament, sure. it was the people, the people, the people. Yeah. And when it talked about the people, who was it talking about? The Jews. The Jews. Mm-hmm. But then we get to Revelation, and it's the peoples of God. Mm. Now, the plural there is important. It's mm. not talking about the church. It's talking about all of all these the nations. Groups. All of these people groups, but they're redeemed. Amen. So it's the redeemed of those. And so now it's not just the Jews are God's people. It's everybody who's present in this new kingdom, this restored kingdom, is God's people. And so I think that's the ultimate goal. That's um, awesome. I think that's, and that's something that sometimes maybe even dispensationalists, they miss. You know, they're so much in support of Israel that, you know, they kind of speak about like Israel as being, you know, prominent for all eternity. Right. And, and they think that the millennium is kind of like the end goal. That's it. It's, it's not. not. It's a period of transition. And I think the New Jerusalem is, as Paul teaches, it is 
It is the heavenly Jerusalem. It is the home of the church. And in the church, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Gentile. Amen. So that's the ultimate goal. But anyways, we'll stop there. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, God bless.